morning. I am Phil. Can you say hi, Phil? And I will be leading a um, estate planning workshop after, after church today. I, I got a confession to make. They say confession's good for the soul. I'm an ordained minister, but I'm also a licensed attorney. Isn't that an oxymoron, maybe, some, some people tell me? Um, <laughs> not the good ones. God, I tell young people all the time, God needs His people in every part of life. Teachers, policemen. He, need, he needs a few rich millionaires that are His people, right? And so God called me to be an attorney. I was licensed to practice in 1977, a long time ago. I want to introduce my wife today. This is Debbie. Wave, Debbie. Now, we're Melissa's parents. The, the pastor's wife. So I, I, we're related, as you would say. And Debbie and I are going to celebrate our anniversary on Tuesday. We were married on Flag Day, June 14th in 1975. So this will be our 47th anniversary on Tuesday. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. We've got four girls. Melissa's the oldest, and God has really blessed us. Our, our number two daughter, Ashley, she had a little baby just three weeks ago, so we're celebrating seven grandkids now. How many grandkids do you have? Show the fingers. Come on. Just one? <laughs> you know, kids are wonderful, but grandkids are even better. Amen. Uh, and, and I got my, my grandkids back here against the wall. Would you open your Bibles today to the book of John? And if you have your phone, you can look it up there. We'll hopefully have the verses on the screen. But if you've been attending the church, you know that Pastor Kendrick has been preaching through the book of John. And we're looking for Jesus. He's not hard to find in the book of John. Looking to find more about him and focus on him. The most important person in history. And today is no different. Now, I, ha I have an outline. Not everybody uses an outline. You don't feel, like, don't feel like you need to use it. But if you'd like an outline, the gentlemen have one. If you didn't get it, just lift your hand and they'll get you an outline. If you'd like to follow along in that, that way. But we're in John chapter 9. Now, Kendrick has already taught you, I want to repeat, that John is one of the few books that tells us exactly why it was written. John the Apostle was a disciple of Jesus Christ, the beloved disciple, probably the youngest disciple. He may have been a teenager when he was with Jesus. And he was the disciple that lived the longest. If you'll recall, he was exiled to the Isle of Patmos as an old man. And from the Isle of Patmos, he wrote Revelation and, other, and the books of 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, probably. Maybe even this book. But the book of John is the beloved disciple's account of his experience with Jesus Christ. Now, I'm going to read to you from chapter 20. You don't have to turn there, but chapter 20 tells us why John wrote this book. Now, Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples. In other words, he didn't write everything down that Jesus did. He did many other signs, which are not written in this book. But listen, but these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. Amen? So this entire book was written to present to you who Jesus is. Now, as I look around today, I don't know all of you, but God does. I don't know what's in your heart. I don't know what you think about Jesus Christ. But today, I want to present to you 
what Jesus had to say about himself and what the Bible teaches us about him. All right? And we're going to be looking at John chapter 9 to do that. Now, I want to do a quick review. You'll see on the first page of the notes, I've put each of the first eight chapters down. And and it's interesting to me that Jesus was the kind of person that wasn't passive. Jesus was very active, and he confronted people. Do you like that word, confront? It's a word that we don't talk about much, but confront means you deal with an issue. It means that you're honest. It means that you're forthright. My wife loves the word forthright. She loves people that are forthright. That means they just speak the truth. They're not angry. They're not mean. They're not trying to hurt you, but they're going to tell you the truth, and that's who Jesus was. Jesus loved people. In John chapter 1, he confronts his first disciples. He saw the fishermen. Remember James and John and Simon and Andrew. And what did he say to them? Follow me. Come with me and I'll make you fishers of men. He, he challenged those men to leave their jobs to follow him. He confronted them. In chapter 2, he changed water to wine and then he cleared the temple. Remember he made a whip and he drove out the money changers? Does that sound like a a weak, passive person? No. He confronted. He told the truth. Chapter 3, he confronts a religious leader. He told a religious leader, you must be born again. And he said, can I enter into my mother's womb and be born again? And he said, no. He said, you must be born of the Spirit. And then he said, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. He was telling that to a religious leader, Nicodemus. In chapter 4, he confronts a Samaritan woman. Remember? He told her how many husbands she'd had and that she was living with someone who wasn't her husband now. (laughs) He just confronted her. And then... In chapter 5, he confronts and heals a man who was crippled. In chapter 6, he feeds 5,000 people and then confronts the crowd. He says, you're looking for me because you ate the loaves and were filled. But he said, unless you eat of my flesh and drink of my blood, you will not uh, have eternal life. He confronted them and it said many of them left. In chapter 7, he teaches and confronts Jewish leaders, Jewish leaders, They were the spiritual pastors of the day, and yet he looked at them and called them vipers and snakes. Wow, why? Because they were leading the people astray. They were were teaching false doctrine, and he wasn't going to put up with that. And in chapter 8, he confronts the Pharisees. He says, I am the light of the world. And he asserts his deity. He says, before Abraham was, I am. Now, what did did that mean to the Jewish people when you said, I am? That's the name that they used for God. And Jesus said to these religious leaders before Abraham was born, I am. What was he saying? I'm God. I was sent from God. I'm God's son. And the Bible says, this is the end of chapter 8, that they picked up rocks to stone him. But he hid himself and left the temple area. Now, we don't know how he hid himself. You know, I love superheroes. One of the superheroes that my grandson likes makes himself invisible. I don't know if Jesus made himself invisible. But anyway, he got out of the temple. Jesus is someone who wants to confront you today with the truth. Could I tell you he loves you? No matter what you've done, 
He loves you no matter who you are. He, he, he's not a respecter of persons. He doesn't look at somebody who's famous and thinks, wow, they're great, and somebody who's not and say they aren't. He looks at every person and says, you're special. I died for you. Every one of you. He, he, he feels that way about. He doesn't want to condemn you. He wants to forgive you. Well, Jesus had just escaped the religious leaders. They were going to stone him. And he's walking through another part of Jerusalem when we get to the story in chapter 9. We're going to read the whole chapter, a portion at a time. First, we're going to read verses 1 through 7. So, Jesus now, watch what happens. As he passed by, he saw a man blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned? This man or his parents, that he was born blind. Jesus answered, It was not this man, that this man sinned, or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Having said these things, he spit on the ground and made mud with the saliva, Then he anointed the man's eyes with the mud and said to him, Go wash in the pool of Siloam, which means sent. So he went and washed and came back seeing. Pray with me. Oh, Father, we're just so human. We fail every day. So forgive us right now because of the shed blood of Jesus. Forgive me, Father. And I pray that your Holy Spirit would work in our hearts through this passage, through your Holy Word, Father. Speak to us. Speak to every person here. Confirm to every person here how important they are to you. And then, Father, give them the grace to humble themselves in your presence today and obey whatever you say to them. In Jesus' name, amen. It's interesting. I think some of the most important words in this entire chapter are the first, the first words. A prepositional sentence. And all it says is, as he passed by. Jesus, the Son of God who came from heaven, Jesus the miracle worker, Jesus the person who thousands of people followed, they wanted to make him king, had just been confronted by the religious leaders, they wanted to stone him to death, But as he left and he was walking through Jerusalem, he saw a blind beggar as he passed by. Can I ask you a question? Do you see people as you pass by? Or are you just too busy? I want you to know a confession. I stay pretty busy. Jesus didn't. Jesus' eyes were always looking into the eyes of others. Jesus' eyes were always looking for someone he could help. Jesus' eyes were always looking. And the Spirit of God was always working. And so when he saw, he saw people the way God did. I've told you before, I wished I had a pair of glasses that I could put on and I could see spiritually. Would that be good or what? A superpower. You could see the spiritual realm. You could see demons hanging around. You could see the angels. But you could look at someone 
And you could see if they were spiritually fit or spiritually weak. And you know what you'd find? You'd look at some little old grandma somewhere, but with spiritual glasses on, she would look like Arnold Schwarzenegger. (laughs) Are you with me? We don't see with spiritual eyes. We see with our physical eyes, and unfortunately, our physical eyes get in the way of the spiritual. Do you understand that? But Jesus had perfect spiritual eyes. And for some reason, I'm sure there were other beggars. I'm sure there were other poor people. But Jesus looked at this man who was blind from birth and he stopped. Oh, if I could challenge you today as believers, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you should be looking at people as you pass by with spiritual eyes. Who needs a word of encouragement? Who needs you to just stop and chat with them? Instead of being so preoccupied with ourselves and our needs and what's going on in our lives, we need to slow down and as we pass by, see others. My mom told me a story. My dad was a preacher. He was a country preacher. He wasn't too uh, refined. He could be a little rough around the edges, but he was real. One day he and my mom, in fact, my mom was told this story by a man in her church. She said, he said, do you remember Eloise, the first time you met me and she said no I just remember you at church she said that's not the first time he said one day I was at my house and I was trying to move a, a, a couch into the house by myself and you and Max drove by and Max my dad saw me trying to move that couch and he pulled the car over and got out and said could I help you with that and the guy said sure so my dad helped this stranger move the couch into the house and get it set And then they chatted a bit, and then my dad, Max, said to this gentleman, are these your kids? And he said, yeah. He said, well, do you have them in church? And the guy said, no, we don't go to church. He said, well, man, you've got to get get them in church. That's your responsibility. You're the head of this house. (laughs) How many of you would have the guts to say that to a perfect stranger? (laughs) That was my dad. And you know what? My dad said, now our church is just a few blocks away. It's down here. Go down here. It's on El Camino Ave. Gave him the address. And here's the time. You get those kids in Sunday school. And then you bring them to church. You gave him the times. And the guy came. You know what surprised him? When he got there, my dad was the pastor. He had no idea my dad was the pastor. <laughs> you know what people say? Uh, one of the main reasons people don't go to church is nobody invites them. So as you're passing by, Are you concerned about other people? Jesus was. He wasn't just busy. He wasn't just worried about what was going on in his life. He was concerned about people. You know, this story breaks down into five scenes. It's like a play. Scene number one, Jesus is just passing by. You know the key truth from this? Jesus saw spiritual opportunity where others just saw another poor beggar. I want you to know as I see homeless people, my heart goes out to them. But I want you to know I've learned you can't just engage with each and every one of them for various reasons. Mental health and and drug issues and alcohol. But there are occasionally people that you can. And you have to be sensitive. As you look at them and you pray, Lord, work in their life. Would you send your spirit to work in their life? On occasion, you may be prompted to talk to them or to help them. Do you understand what I'm saying? And that's like Jesus. You have to trust the Holy Spirit working in your heart. Jesus did. 
You know, it's interesting because as Jesus stopped to look at the poor man, what did his disciples do? They began to judge. They said, Jesus, who sinned, this man or his parents, so that that caused him to be born blind? What what did the disciples assume? That it was somebody's sin that caused his blindness. What do we assume? When somebody's down and out, we assume, well, it's their sin, their problems that have caused it. But Jesus said, no, they didn't sin. It's for the glory of God that he was born this way. Do you understand that God wants to demonstrate his power in people's lives? He wants to heal. And most people need spiritual healing more than they need physical healing. Every one of you was born blind spiritually. And you don't get spiritual sight until Jesus Christ gives it to you. Amen? That's the only way you get it. And Jesus said, no, he didn't sin. It wasn't his parents. He, he was born this way that the works of God might be displayed in him. And then he said, we must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. We must work the work of him. Jesus said something else in Matthew chapter 5. He said, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hid. Do you understand that God wants that spirit in you to be a light to other people? As you talk to them during the day, put a smile on your face. Encourage them. You don't have to have all the answers for, the, for, the, for them. They need somebody to care about them and love them, even as Jesus cared and loved this blind man. In the bi- middle of your busy, hectic, stressful days, when you feel that you are under attack, do you just stop in the presence of someone who needs your help and ask, what does God want me to do for this poor, spiritually blind person today? Oh, I think that may be the most important lesson for those of us that are believers to learn from this chapter in Scripture. That every one of us is to be His light to our neighbors, to our friends, to the, those people in the supermarket, even to those people that are irritating on the highways. My wife smiles at me because I really get, forgive me, Lord, I really get irritated by the way they drive. Does it irritate you? What you need to say is, boy, they need Jesus. Lord, work in that person's life, you know. (laughs) That's what I have to do because my flesh says, I'm going to get back at you. You got ahead of me. I'm going to get ahead of you. No, Lord, they need Jesus. Would that change the highways if we started driving that way? Well, maybe a little bit. So the first point of the message today as we look at Jesus is Jesus is just passing by. I love this song. While passing through this world of sin and others your life shall view, be clean and pure without within. Let others see Jesus in you. Your life's a book before their eyes. They're reading it through and through. Say, does it point them to the skies? Do others see Jesus in you? Then the chorus says, let others see Jesus in you. Let others see Jesus in you. Keep telling the story. Be faithful and true. Let others see Jesus in you. Number one, Jesus was just passing by. But let's look at the second point. Let's look at verses 8 through 12. 8 through 12. 
Well, before we go to 8 to 12, I didn't even do the, the, the most important part of the story. I'm sorry. So what did Jesus do then? He spit on the ground. Now, wait a minute. You're going to heal somebody. You're going to make them well. How would that go over in this COVID-conscious world? <laughs> he spit on the ground. He made some mud. And then what did he do with it? Put it stuck in his eyes. Come on, Jesus. Really? And then he said, go and wash in the pool of Siloam. Now, Siloam means scent. And it's kind of like Jesus sent him to the scent pool. And so this blind man found his way to the pool, washed his eyes, and what happened? Can you imagine? You, you, now, do you think the blind man knew it was spit mud? He didn't see it. And we're going to see. He, he, he heard but later on, he's just going to call it mud. He doesn't say spit mud. Uh, but anyway, anyway, he washed his eyes, and the Bible says he could see. We don't know how old he was, but he was a grown man, and so his entire life he had never seen anything. And he came back to his neighborhood seeing. Now watch what happens. Verse 8. The neighbors and those who had, been, who had seen him before as a beggar were saying, is this not the man who used to sit and beg? Some said, it's he. Others said, no, but he is like him. But he kept saying, I am the man. So they said to him, then how were your eyes opened? He answered, the man called Jesus made mud and anointed my eyes and said to me, go to Siloam and wash. So I went and washed and received my sight. And they said to him, where is he? And he said, I don't know. Wow. So he comes back, he's seeing, he's walking around like nothing's happened, and his neighbors that knew him got into an argument about whether this is really the same guy. And finally he said, yep, I'm the guy. And they said, well, how did you get your sight? And he said, well, the man named Jesus made some mud and washed my eyes. I went to the slow and washed my eyes and I could see. You know, scene number two tells us that Jesus is just a man to the blind beggar. You notice he said, the man named Jesus, called Jesus, made some mud. You know, the first key truth here is the first step in finding Jesus is believing he was a man who lived, loved, and labored on earth 2,000 years ago. I hope you believe at least in Jesus the man. There's a lot of people in our country that believe in Jesus the man. Amen? They think, oh yeah, Jesus lived. There's a lot of history about Jesus. The fact that he lived is, is really not in question today. But do you believe he's just a good man who lived long ago, that did some good things, that taught some good things? A lot of people like him as a teacher. In fact, I've got a copy of Thomas Jefferson's Bible. I think Kendrick may have used it in a service one time. Did you know Thomas Jefferson, who wrote the Declaration of Independence, took three Bibles and he cut out all the teachings of Jesus and he pasted the, those in, in, a, in a notebook. He didn't have a copy machine back then in 1780s or 90s. But he left out all the miracles. He left out all the passages about deity. He just wanted to have the moral teachings of Jesus, the man, because he thought Jesus had some good things to say. Oh, did he miss the point? Jesus was a man, but he was not just a man. 
Do you ever talk to anybody about Jesus? Does he ever come up in conversation? I want you to know, unfortunately, not nearly enough in mine, but I would pray that he would come up in yours. Sometimes you may try asking somebody, well, what do you think of Jesus? And you know what you could tell them if you don't know anything else, if you've believed in him and he's saved you? You can tell them that. He changed me. I was spiritually blind, but now I can see. And that's all this man could say is the man Jesus made some mud, put it on my eyes, I went and washed, and now I can see. You can tell people what Jesus has done for you. You say, well, he hasn't done very much. Folks, listen to me. He's forgiven you. I wish I could run a tape through your mind now of all the things you've done wrong in your life. And you know, there are people today that have done wrong things that have never been forgiven that are psychologically a mess. Their lives are a mess. Do you know how, what a great gift just his forgiveness is? Forget everything else. That burden. I remember as a little boy, I was eight years old on a Sunday night at our church and my dad was preaching and he, he said, is there anybody that would like to give their life to Christ? And I remember, I would. So I went down to talk to him. He said, Phil, why do you come? And I said, I want, I want to ask Jesus to forgive me of my sins. I still remember that. I was eight years old. It was 1959. And I prayed, God, I believe in Jesus, that he died for my sins. Please forgive me my sins. I want Jesus as, to be the Lord of my life. I will never forget the feeling of release, of forgiveness. It was like I was walking a foot off the ground because I knew I'd been forgiven. Now, I've had to pray for forgiveness many times since then. But the gift of forgiveness, the gift of spiritual sight is an amazing, amazing gift. And that's what Jesus gave this man, physical sight. But he's given us spiritual sight. So first, Jesus was just passing by. Then Jesus was just a man. But I want us to read on. Look what happens next in in verse uh, 13. They, the neighbors, brought to the Pharisees the man who had formerly been blind. Now, let's stop right there. So the neighbors of the man said, let's go take this man to see the religious leaders, the Pharisees. The very same people who had tried to stone Jesus. Are you with me? Not, not long before. And so they, they take him to see the Pharisees. Now, it was a Sabbath day when Jesus made the mud and opened his eyes. So the Pharisees again asked him how had he received his sight. And he said to them, He, Jesus, put mud on my eyes, and I washed, and I see. Some of the Pharisees said, This man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. But others said, How can a man who is a sinner do such signs? And there was a division among them. So they said again to the blind man, What do you say about him since he opened your eyes? Now watch. He said, He is a prophet. Well, we're making progress. First, he couldn't even see him. Then he said, he's a man that gave me my sight. And now he's asked by the Pharisees, what do you think, blind man, who now can see? And he said, I think he's a prophet. So the next step, the next scene is, Jesus is just a prophet. You know, the key truth here is that the next step in finding Jesus is believing he was sent by God, believing he was, spoke for God. He wasn't just a good man that did some good things, said some good things, but he was sent from God. Believing that Jesus was sent by God to this earth is a good next step, but it is not enough. You know who believes that Jesus was a prophet? 
Muslims. The Quran, there's a mosque in the, area, in the neighborhood we used to live in, and they sent everybody in the neighborhood a Quran. So I kept it, and I started reading it, so I'd at least have an idea. And I, I don't study it at all, but I wanted to know what was in there. Did you know that, and then I did some study, that Jesus is mentioned 99 times in the Quran. Did you know that? Listen to this. In one book, Surah 33.7, it says, And remember, we took from the prophets their covenant, as we did from thee, from Noah, Abraham, Moses, and Jesus, the son of Mary. We took from them a solemn covenant. My point is, the Muslims believe Jesus was a prophet. They do not believe he was anything else. But they believe he was a prophet. Well, what does that get them? Nothing, really. Because the Bible tells us that he's more than a prophet. Let me read on, verse 18. The Jews did not believe that he had been blind and received his sight until they called the parents of the man who had received his sight and asked them, Is this your son who you say was born blind? How then does he see? His parents answered, We know that this is our son and that he was born blind. But how he now sees, we do not know, nor do we know who opened his eyes. Ask him. He is of age. He will speak for himself. His parents said these things because they feared the Jews, for the Jews had already agreed that if anyone should confess Jesus to be the Christ, he was to be put out of the synagogue. Therefore, his parents said, he is of age. Ask him. What do you think of the parents? I want you to know they're a lot like us. They were a bit cowardly, weren't they? Would you ever consider yourself cowardly when it comes to Jesus? I'm going to raise my hand. They were afraid of criticism. They were afraid that they couldn't go to, the, to their church if they said, yeah, this guy must be the Christ. He, he healed our son. They knew that their little baby that had grown up to a man had been blind all those years and that Jesus had given him sight and yet they didn't want to get involved. They were going to be quiet. Is that you? I hope not. I hope not. Sometimes we're quiet, silent Christians I wonder what they believed in their hearts or if they ever believed. We don't know. The Bible doesn't tell us. Maybe some of you here today are in, you're in this stage of belief about Jesus. Yeah, he was more than a man. He was probably a prophet. Is that enough? No. Look at the ne next section, starting with verse 24. So for the second time, the Pharisees called the man who had been blind and said to him, Give glory to God. We know that this man, Jesus, is a sinner. And he answered, Whether he is a sinner, I do not know. One thing I do know, that though I was blind, now I see. <laughs> they said to him, What did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered them, I have told you already, ready, and you would not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you also want to become his disciples? I love that line. And they reviled him, saying, You are his disciple, but we are disciples of Moses. We know that God has spoken to Moses, but as for this man, we do not know where he comes from. The man answered, Why, this is an amazing thing. 
You do not know where he comes from, and yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners, but if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, God listens to him. Never since the world began has it been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. They answered him, You were born in utter sin, and would you teach us? And they cast him out. What do people do when they can't answer the, what you give them about Jesus? They attack you. My dad would always teach me, Phil, when you're trying to talk about something with somebody and they begin to attack you personally, you've won the argument. <laughs> and he won the argument. Isn't that so simple? He said, nobody since time began has been blind and been given his sight, and yet this man healed me, gave me my sight back. He, and then he said, I put it on your outline, he, he said, now that is remarkable. You don't know where he comes from, yet he opens my eyes. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. Scene four, Jesus is just a miracle worker sent from God. He's making progress. He was just a man. He's a prophet. Now he's a miracle worker sent from God. Question, is that enough? No, it's not enough. But it is true. Jesus was a miracle, working, miracle worker sent from God. But, but he was so much more. I'm reminded of a time when I was with our youth group on a mission trip, much like the one your, your youth are going to go on in later this month. And I took some teenagers up to a little town in the foothills uh, outside of Sacramento to a little town called Jackson. And we were doing VBS. My teenagers were leading the VBS and we were working and helping the church. And on, on one day during the week, we had to wash clothes because we needed to do some, go to a laundromat and wash the clothes or we were going to go door to door sharing about Jesus. I said, I need volunteers. Which do you think they volunteered for? Washing clothes. <laughs> But I took a few of them, and we just started going through this little town and knocking on doors and sharing with people, inviting them to church. We weren't offensive. Just said, hey, I'm Phil. We're a youth group up at the church. We're going to be there Sunday. We want to invite you to come and come to church with us. And then I'd say, do you know the Lord? Do you go to the church anywhere? And I'd try to, try to start a conversation about Jesus. We'd been doing that for a while, and of course, what do most people say? They were polite, but not interested for the most part, but I, I still remember I came to a house with a white picket fence and we went through the white picket fence, went up to the door and I knocked and the youth are behind me and the door opens and there's a young mother holding a baby and there's a toddler running around behind her making a lot of noise and I introduced myself, hey, I'm Phil and these are some of the teenagers we've got up at the church here in town and we're doing some work there and we're going to be there Sunday. I want to invite you to church and she was interested and I said, do you go to church? No, I said, have you ever uh, invited Christ into your life? And she said, no. I said, would you like to hear how to do that? And she said, yes. So I shared the plan of salvation with her, that Jesus lived and died for our sins. He lived a perfect life. And that Jesus took his death of a perfect sacrifice in, in place of our deaths. We deserve to die, but he took our place. And because of that, we can have forgiveness of our sins. We can invite Christ to be the Lord of our life and live with him forever. I explained that to her very simply and I said, would you like to do that? She said, yes. And so I said, well, just bow your head and pray this prayer. And 
we prayed a simple prayer. God, I believe in you. I believe in your son. I believe he died for my sins. I want to ask you to forgive my sins in Jesus' name, and I want to invite Christ to be the Lord of my life. We prayed a simple prayer like that, and then we said amen. Now, here's what happened. She was like this. Kid running around behind her. It's chaos, and she goes, it worked. (laughs) I've never had that response before. What What did she mean, it worked? All of us have sins that need to be forgiven. Some of us think, God could never forgive me. And I want you to know, the devil wants you to think that. The Bible is full of people who are terrible sinners that Jesus forgave. And they didn't become perfect after that. They just became forgiven. Right? And that's what happened to that young lady. I haven't seen her since. Her name is T- Tammy Brian Kerhoff. I, don't even, I, I can't remember names, but I remember that name. <laughs> Tammy Brian Kerhoff. And I pray for Tammy from time to time. But that's who Jesus is, and that's who Jesus wants to be to people. Let's finish the story. It's inter- interesting that she, they cast him out, and then look at the end of the story, chapter 30, verse 35. Jesus heard that they had cast him out, and having found him, he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? Could I stop right there? Jesus called himself the Son of Man, and it, there's a perfectly good reason why. The Old Testament gives us some reasons What would have happened if he walked around calling himself the Son of God? He would have died a whole lot sooner. He couldn't have done that because they would have crucified him sooner. So he had to do everything the Son of God did, but he called himself the Son of Man. So verse 36, he answered, And who is he, sir, that I may believe in him? So Jesus says, Do you believe in the Son of Man? Jesus went looking for him. He heard he had been cast out of the temple. And Jesus, the Son of God, the busy guy that was in trouble, took the time to go find him. i got to go talk to that guy. He's been kicked out of the temple. He said, do you believe in the Son of Man? And the blind man said, who now can see, and who is he, sir, that I may believe in him? Jesus said to him, you have seen him, and it is he who is speaking to you. He said, Lord, I believe. And he worshipped him. Oh, folks. Jesus isn't just a man. He's not just a prophet. He's not just a miracle worker sent sent from God. Jesus is God. The key truth and the final step in finding Jesus is recognizing him as God's only son, as God in the flesh, and believing in him and confessing him as Lord and God. And doing that is enough. I don't know where you are today, where you are with Jesus and your belief. Maybe you have believed in Jesus at a younger age and you need to recommit yourself to Christ today. Maybe you've never believed in him. Maybe you believe he was a good guy. Maybe you believed he was a prophet, but you've never in your life said, I believe he's the son of God. I believe he died for my sins. You've never said, God, forgive me because of Jesus' sacrifice and invited Christ to be the Lord of your life. The Bible says when you do that, God puts the Holy Spirit in your life and he gives you spiritual eyes. We don't use them very well sometimes. Have you put your faith in Christ? Have you trusted him? There's another passage in Luke where Jesus is talking to his disciples and he says, Who do men say that I am? Do you remember that passage? 
And they answer, they say, well, some say John the Baptist, a man. Some say Jeremiah, a prophet. Some say Elijah, a miracle worker sent from God. Isn't it interesting that what we see in this passage is the same progression that the people said? Because there are people today that see God as Jesus as a good man. Some see him as a prophet. Some see him as, even as a miracle worker. But folks, they don't get to that last step of the Christ. And then he said, well, who do you say? I mean, Peter said, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus said, blessed are you, Simon of Arjona, because flesh and blood, people hasn't revealed that to you, but my Father from in heaven. Let me tell you something. You can't believe in Jesus as the Son of God unless God's Spirit allows you to do that. It's a step of faith. Is the Holy Spirit prompting you to do that today? The conclusion of this passage is these verses. Jesus said, For judgment I came into the world, that those who do not see may see, and those who see may become blind. And, G- and some of the Pharisees near him heard this thing, these things and said to him, Are we also blind? And Jesus said to them, If you were blind, you would not have no guilt. But now that you say we see, your guilt remains. What's he saying? There are some people that claim they have all the answers about Jesus. There are some people that say, yeah, we, we have the answers. We, we can see. And the Pharisees did. We know everything spiritual. We know everything. And Jesus said, if you claim to have all the answers yourself, you're blind. Because we don't. The only answers we have come from God. And folks, there's a lot of people preaching other philosophies than what the Bible truly says. I've given you Jesus' words today. Jesus isn't just a man. He's not just a prophet. He's not just a miracle worker sent from God. He's who he claimed to be. He said, I am. I'm God. I'm the Son of God. I'm the Savior of the world. Let me tell you, the good news is Jesus is passing by today. He's passing by us in his spirit. Jesus said, to his disciples, I'm going to die, I'm going to go back to heaven, and that's good news for you, because if I go back to heaven, I can send the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit can be in each and every one of you, guiding you and directing you. Do you have that Holy Spirit directing you today? Are you living for him? Now, I, people say, well, you talk people into becoming a Christian. I don't want to talk anybody into it. I want the Holy Spirit to talk you into it. There's going to be a part of you that says, I don't want to do that. Usually it's your pride. You're unwilling to humble yourself. The spirit that says to you, yes, is God's spirit. If something inside of you says, yeah, that's true. What he's telling me today is true. That's the whole God confirming what I'm telling you. And if he's doing that, I want to pray for you. Would you bow your heads with me this morning? And let's pray. Can we just talk to God? If you're a believer, would you talk to him right now? Just ask him to work in this place and in your life. Father, first I pray for believers here today. Father, it's so difficult to live for you. So I pray in the mighty name of Jesus, the power of his shed blood, the authority of his position as the Son of God, I pray you would work in the lives of believers. Lord, this church needs them to step up, to live for you, to ask forgiveness. Father, to stay in fellowship, to take positions of leadership. Work in the lives of believers. Turn them into people that are as they're passing by, they see people in need. And they reach out to help. Give them spiritual eyes. Father, do that for the spiritual believers in this church. May they ask for forgiveness. May they ask for spiritual eyesight. Do it today, Father. And then I pray for those that 
have never accepted Jesus as Lord. Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit would make the clarity of that truth clear to them today. In the power of Jesus' name and and his shed blood, I ask that you would do that. That, Father, right now they would pray this prayer. Father, forgive me. Not because of who I am, but because Jesus died for me. Forgive me of all the wrongs I've done. And then, Father, fill me with your Holy Spirit. Enable me to live for you and to be your child. In Jesus' name, amen.